Paul writes in Colossians 3, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. For believers, every action we do and every word we say should bring glory to God. Hi, my name is Gary Myers. And I'm Marilyn Stewart. This is Answering the Call. In this podcast, Gary and I talk to people who are living out their faith. And these are stories that are powerful, interesting, and they will encourage you as you live out your faith daily for the Lord. Today on Answering the Call, we have Blake Newsom. He is a director of the Caskey Center for Church Excellence here at the seminary. He's also associate professor of expository preaching. Thank you, Dr. Newsom, for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And uh, we're going to talk about several things connected to Caskey. Uh, I think we're going to talk about why sharing the gospel is easier than maybe some people think it is in today's culture, uh, and about what it means to be a small church or uh, a majority church and what that means. So um, let's just start with what the Caskey Center is and how it got started. Uh, What is the heart and the hope of the benefactors who set up the Caskey Center and provided for that? Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Caskey Center. Um, Our center is named after Reverend Steve Caskey. He's the namesake uh, he was a bivocational pastor in uh, rural Louisiana most of his life, born and raised in Louisiana. Uh, and uh, he was called to his first full-time pastorate in Louisiana and recognized uh, that he needed some more ministerial training and preparation. Uh, but he was a bit of a self-study kind of guy uh, and would wake up early, study his Bible, and also uh, prepare his sermons Uh, reading other books along the way uh, to learn as much as he could about the Bible and about ministry. Uh, And later, he he realized the need to seek a more formal education, so he enrolled at Louisiana College. He studied there for two years, uh, but he was a busy pastor. He was a husband, father of three, uh, and did not have a whole lot of money uh, like many of our our pastors out there. Uh, and so he couldn't continue at Louisiana College. And through the rest of his life, he studied on his own uh, because he wanted to faithfully preach God's Word. He wanted to be a faithful minister. Uh, but he was just unable to get that formal education uh, and uh, pastored small churches along the way, obviously having a significant impact on, uh, on others throughout Louisiana. And, uh, and there was a group of, uh, of incredible people uh, that loved the Lord. They loved the local church. Uh, and uh, they wanted to honor the legacy and the memory of Steve Kasky. Uh, And so they came along, they came to us at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and wanted to partner with us and fund uh, guys like Steve Kasky. Uh, And and then even uh, reaching beyond guys like Steve Kasky, they have a heart for pastors. Uh, And so they wanted to make it possible uh, for people to study, to train, to be uh, better equipped at studying their Bible, preaching sermons, preparing sermons, doing pastoral ministry, uh, and to have that opportunity to get a formal education. So we now at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary at the Caskey Center, we have the privilege of offering scholarships to those who are serving in churches. And these are full tuition scholarships. Mm, Yes. Uh, So it's pretty incredible. And 
And honestly, our goal is to encourage and equip pastors. And mm-hmm. we can do that, we believe, by resourcing them. Okay. And we resource through scholarships and we resource through through other means, conferences, website, podcasts, things yes. like that that are uh, forthcoming. And what I love about this story is that this was a man that maybe wasn't known by a lot of people, but what a legacy. Yeah. What yeah, an impact exactly. he made on, on other people. So we are very grateful for the people that set this up. Uh, so Amen to that. the Caskey Center um, has in the past a lot of times talked about small membership churches. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so I want to talk about maybe what our, our churches are like. Typically, we think that larger churches have more resources resources, more financial means, so on and so forth. But there are some advantages to pastoring a church that wouldn't be considered large. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would definitely agree that there are advantages to pastoring in churches uh, that we wouldn't necessarily categorize as large. I, I want to come back to that. Uh, you asked about our are talking about or yes. smaller membership churches. Uh, and when the Caskey Center was launched, and obviously that that is part of the heart and the hope of the Caskey Center to resource those who more um, they, they tend to need those resources more than mm-hmm. our larger and mega church uh, pastors. Uh, and part of that is just simply the flow of finances. Within a mega church you tend to have a, a larger flow of finances uh, for obvious reasons, right? Uh, and when the Caskey Center was launched in Louisiana, it was launched with the number um, uh, our students, if they are Southern Baptist church ministers or they're on a uh, Southern Baptist church staff in yes, the state of Louisiana yeah. at a church of less than 250 in worship attendance, they're eligible for a full tuition scholarship with the Caskey Center. Well, our numbers would indicate that that uh, represents over 85% of the churches, the Southern Baptist churches in the state of Louisiana. Well, small is a term that it's a relative term. It so is, when we're yes. talking about small membership churches, uh, if you're in the, in the group that is 85% uh, representative, then that's you're not small. You are the uh, majority church. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so I think those above 250, they're not necessarily mega churches. That tends to be relegated to 2,000 in worship attendance or more. Uh, but it is the the larger and the mega churches that are the outliers within the state of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. It's 150 in worship attendance mm. or less, which still represents about 85 percent of the churches in Mississippi and Alabama. So the Caskey eligible churches they represent the majority of the churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. They represent the backbone of the Southern Baptist Convention. Meaning, if those churches are not there, we we struggle to exist. Oh, absolutely. Well, this so this is a, uh, a center and a scholarship that that uh, would impact a lot of people, a lot yes. of students. So, uh, yeah. And so going back, though, to these majority-sized yeah. churches, um, so what advantages do they have, do you think? I think um, simply and probably most fundamental is pastors in these kinds of churches have the opportunity and the ability to genuinely shepherd their people yes. in a more personal yeah. way. Um, they have the opportunity to to be there when the family's struggling, uh, when someone dies or when someone's in the hospital. Um, and so you truly get the opportunity to minister to someone from birth to death. Mm-hmm. You're there when uh, when they're born. You're there to, uh, to lead them to Christ. You're there to baptize them. Uh, you're there to officiate their wedding. Uh, you're there for the highs and the lows of life. 
and uh, and you're truly able to shepherd them in a more personal way. Yes. Uh, and the larger the the congregation, um, the less able you are to to shepherd in a more personal way. And then then the congregation loves that pastor. Yeah, that's right. And they can love a pastor of a large church, of course. But as you say, it's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. And as Steve Kasky's life gives testimony, he makes an impact that lasts a really long time. Yeah, your affection for someone grows the more personal you get with them. Yeah. And that is what a pastor is, a shepherd. Uh, All right, so let's talk about this scholarship because one requirement is that the students will share the gospel weekly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what are you hearing back from students as they meet that requirement? Are they finding that sharing the gospel is easier maybe than they thought it would be? I would say that initially we understand that people in general study. They they struggle. (laughs) We should study, but uh, in (laughs) general, we struggle to share the gospel. Of course, Uh, I mean it is it is not easy to do because of all the fear associated with it, all the fear wrapped around it. We're afraid of what the person uh, is going to think and feel and how they will respond to us. So we understand when our students come in. Uh, that this is not going to be easy. Okay. We do not assume that it will be easy. Okay. And uh, as a matter of being a seminary or a Bible college, we recognize that our job is to to push people outside of their comfort zone okay. so that they can be more effective in ministry. Uh, and one of what we believe is a key to gospel ministry is proclaiming the gospel. And it's not just from a pulpit. Oddly enough, it's easier or more comfortable to proclaim the gospel from a pulpit or Mm -hmm. in a Sunday school class than it is in personal one-on-one conversations. And so we believe that part of our task is to, to usher students out of the comfort zone into the uncomfortable and, uh, and to share the gospel in uncomfortable settings uh, and in possibly uncomfortable ways. Okay. Uh, and so we do recognize that it's going to be difficult, but what we hope and what we tend to see is that as students have a level of accountability over them, meaning they're required to do it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they find themselves growing in comfort. They're growing less uncomfortable oh, that's great. the more that yes. they share the gospel. And yeah. that's our goal. Yeah to push them out of their comfort zone and to help them be more familiar and more acquainted mm-hmm. with the the discomforts associated with ministry because mm-hmm. it's not always comfortable. Sure, sure. And and that's true with anything that we do. The more yeah. you do it, the better and more comfortable you feel doing that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so uh, students are afraid of not knowing how to move the conversation from talking about the weather or the high price of gas to the gospel, and uh, but they're also afraid. I've heard you say that they're afraid from pushback. So those two things, starting the conversation and then encountering pushback mm-hmm. from someone. How do you deal, how do you help students deal with those two fears specifically? Yeah, well, the first thing we do is acknowledge those sticky points okay. or those sticking points in the conversation. One okay. is just the initial starting of the conversation. Yes, yes. Uh, if you're more extroverted, you're certainly more comfortable just initiating yes. a conversation of any type, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, the second sticking point is the transition to spiritual things. And it's not just a sticking point in the re- the realization that this is about to grow more uncomfortable. There's a level of spiritual warfare that we have to acknowledge. True, true. Uh, so the second sticking point is the transition to the gospel. And part of that, you know, we have different 
techniques or tactics. One, you could uh, ask them if they have attended church. You can ask them if they have a spiritual background. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can ask them uh, what are their their goals in life? What's their purpose that they see in life? Uh, Essentially, what we're doing is we're taking them beyond just the sort of the superficial or um, the the surface level kinds of conversations, and we want to take them just steps and steps deeper to where we can talk to them about their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we're doing. We're transitioning to a spiritual conversation, and the best way we can do that is to to take them beyond just what do you do for a living and how many kids do you have or right, whatever that right. is. Uh, the third sticking point is when we, I believe, call for a response, meaning. Uh, we say, okay, you've just heard the good news of Jesus. Now you have to do something with this. Mm. So those are the three main sticking points that we're, uh, you know, we uh, we talk about it in an honest way with students and say you're going to feel angst in these moments, <laughs> uh, and the way that you grow in comfort is simply to practice it and to and to do it more and more. The more you do it, the more you will figure out your own personal approach. Okay. to taking someone into a spiritual conversation. Sure, uh, sure. You can you can take the EE approach of saying, "Hey, if you were to die right now, would you would you go to heaven or hell?" You can take the approach of what's the most important thing in your life or mm-hmm. has anyone told you today that Jesus loves you? These are all three that I've used personally and mm-hmm. I will I will uh, go back and forth within these, depending on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key is to use something okay. to transition to a spiritual conversation, mm-hmm. uh, and then to invite the person to do something with what they've just heard. Yes, and you know when we talk to people, if you look back at any conversation, it covers a lot of different topics. You yeah. realize that you are going from uh, how many kids do you have to where you work to uh, what do you think about yeah. the Saints game. So a conversation does that anyway. Yeah, it's natural. Yes, it really is natural. Yes. yes. At NOBTS and Level College. Our mission is to prepare servants to walk with Christ, to proclaim His truth, and to fulfill His mission. If God's calling you to take your ministry a step further, let us help. Visit us at nobts.edu. What about uh, pushback from someone? They, you know, that is something everybody is a little bit afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, do you do you work on that? Uh, is that something that you can help students prepare for? Yeah. I, again, I think what you were just saying is mm-hmm. is excellent. Is the more natural you are, mm-hmm. the better you are yes. able to handle. Yes. We we have pushback in conversations regularly throughout our day. So uh, if I let's say I, I go to someone, I say, hey, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And they, how dare you ask yeah. me that question? <laughs> well, yes. I can simply say, hey, hey, listen, I, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to upset you. Yeah. Uh, just understand, I believe this is a really important question. And I wanted to ask you this question to because I'm curious, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. I think you should be curious about this because that's really important. It is important. Uh, and so you're just naturally responding in the ebb and flow of a conversation. You're naturally acknowledging if you've 
maybe pushed a little too strongly, you can take a step back and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to upset mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to offend you. Right. I want you to understand why I've asked this question. Uh, and, hey, I would love to talk to you about this. And mm-hmm. I understand you might not be open to it right now, but if you ever are open to that conversation, I'm here and we can have it. So, again, it, we have lines, but oftentimes in these lines that we teach in personal evangelism or apologetics, whatever yes, they right, might be, right. uh, I think these lines are they're good when we begin having these kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they should be the goal. I think the goal should be that you are able to have a natural conversation with yes. someone in which you can have an in-depth conversation yes, yes. with them. So work to achieve naturalness within that conversation. And I found I can knock on a door uh, and have a natural conversation with someone about eternity. Uh, and it's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not weird. So right, don't make right. it weird. Don't be a jerk. Don't be weird. Don't make it weird. Just be natural. Yeah. 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 And you know, I, I have stood in the line at the grocery store and someone's asked me a personal question. So, yeah. you know, you can learn to do it without being uh, feeling weird. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've got tons of stories about weird conversations that I've had. <laughs> Uh, but you learn, okay, that was weird. I need to not approach it from that perspective again, and I need to not be so weird. Yeah, and you mentioned apologetics, and, yeah. and uh, of course, my husband directs that program, but one of the things that I have learned mm-hmm. is that you don't have to have all the answers, but if you yes. are just kind and and with a certain amount of humility, yeah. conversations can go a long way. I agree, and I think within that, one of the the pressures on us as believers is we often feel like we just have to have all the answers. Yes. And what I learned from the guys that stand to reason and, uh, and yes. their apologetic approach, that Columbo tactic, right? Yes, absolutely. Is you just ask two questions. What do you believe? Yes. And why do you believe it? Yes. And yeah. all of a sudden, this person is now opening up to you. And questions like that provide a natural flow in the conversation. Absolutely. So don't feel like you have to go in with all of these packaged answers. Just have a conversation with people and ask them questions and respond to their answers. And all of us have been having conversations all our lives, so it is very natural. So I want to talk about this pushback Mm -hmm. because I'm wondering what your thought is um, and what students are reporting. Are they running into pushback as often as they thought. I'm kind of wondering if our culture is really hungry for uh, Christians who will just be real and just be humble Mm. and just share. What do you think? What are you finding from students? I agree with what you said 100%. The the stats seem to back that up as well, that people are open to having deeper conversations. People are hungry. Yes. uh, And they're hungry for more. We live in a consumeristic society. I think people are, they're looking around for purpose Mm -hmm. and they're not finding it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we as believers, we have uh, that, we we have found who gives purpose in life. And we need to offer that to folks and we need to have honest conversations about that. Uh, And what we find, not only in my own personal conversations with people, but also from our students, um, I think there is this sense. And and honestly, I, I believe in the devil. And I believe that he is, as Jesus said, is the father of lies. And one of the gravest lies that he has brought to the church and that we have swallowed uh, is that 
we cannot share the gospel with people without them being so offended they'll never talk to us again and that people aren't open. People are open. And I think our students learn that, that mm -hmm. the pushback is rare and minimal. Yes. And you can actually, it's not so violent or aggressive that you can't address it in the normalcy of a conversation and just say, hey, I, I'm not trying to offend you. Yeah. I'm just trying to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think people are open to that. Uh, and the more we do evangelism, certainly true in my own life, from uh, knocking on doors to initiating conversations and what we'd call cold turkey evangelism, yes. where you just start a conversation, <laughs> I've, I can count on the number of uh, – I probably – on two hands, I can count how many times someone has aggressively responded. I could count on one hand how many times – we weren't able to end that conversation on a positive note. Wow. And usually that's just because they closed the door in my face. Right. And so have, having knocked on hundreds of doors and had I don't know how many conversations, uh, people are hungry and open and interested Yes, if we are open and interested in sharing. And I think that's what a lot – what I'm hearing, yeah. what I have found, you know, that sometimes just um, – it, like I say, in the grocery store, mm -hmm. someone will say something and uh, just my response that, that I think, oh, they're going to walk away now. And they're just willing to talk. Yeah. There, there really is a hunger in this culture, yeah, I think. I so, agree. So uh, one last question then, because I think that in uh, your testimony, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering right, you did not grow up in a Christian home. I wonder if you would just take a couple of minutes and tell us about your own experience and how you came to faith in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a home, I would say that that. People in my family went to church okay. uh, on different occasions and different denominations, mm -hmm. uh, actually. Uh, we were not a Baptist family, for sure. Uh, and it was not a family that I would say the, the intention or the goal was to honor God okay. with their life. That, that's for sure. Okay. Um, and uh, and I, I struggled uh, growing up. I uh, struggled understanding love and uh, all kinds of, of things are, are deeply important to kids. Uh, and when I was a young man, uh, around the age of 12 or, or so, uh, I began to be convicted of my sins. Mm, okay. And God was just moving in my heart. That's all I can say. Uh, and I found myself going home at night, and I was kneeling by my bed, crying out to God and asking Him to forgive me of my sins. Um, and I did this over the course of about two weeks, just crying out to God. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed God to save me. And after about two weeks of this, crying out to God, one night it was like God invaded that room. Wow. And I didn't hear God audibly or <laughs> nothing like that. But it was like God invaded that room and, and just spoke to me in my heart and reassured me uh, and helped me to understand that he was forgiving me of my sin yeah. uh, and that I was saved. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I didn't really understand what to do moving forward. But over the course of the next few years, uh, eventually I would get connected with a Baptist church, and um, I would begin reading my Bible while I was in high school and praying and as best I could struggling through the process of sanctification uh, my walk with the Lord really exploded towards the end of my teenage years and then moving into college. And mm -hmm. uh, God called me to ministry while I was in college. Uh, and so my testimony is one, uh, it doesn't make sense. Mm, Again, yeah. my, my family was not necessarily a family who was pointing me towards Jesus. 
but in the midst of the dysfunction of, of all of that that was going on in my family and in my household, uh, God found me, mm-hmm. and he rescued me. And I could see that uh, God could change a life because my life was looking different than the lives of those around me. Oh, that's great. And one last thing before we close, I want to mention, you mentioned uh, Stand to Reason. Mm -hmm. This is a great uh, uh, website and organization, uh, Greg Kokel. And uh, if you are a little bit afraid of sharing the gospel, I encourage you to go to that website or his book, and uh, it is fabulous. Just a very easy way to start conversations. And I'm I just appreciate the Caskey Center. The more I talk to the students involved, the more amazed I am. Uh, I do think God is working in our culture, even though many of us are a little afraid right now. And Mm -hmm. I think it is a fabulous time uh, to be sharing the gospel. Thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to a lot more stories. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks.